You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, and everybody, welcome to the guidepost. This is a little crazy, um, but I think we are all the way up to episode like seventy nine. If if I'm if I'm not mistaken here, yeah, this is. I, I just I just popped online to take a look to make sure I was accurate. So we are closing in on a hundred episodes here, and and don't forget if you have any questions, comments, anything. On the stuff that we're talking about here or anything in general, send your comments to comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. And if we read it online, you will win yourself an awesome pair of Costa Del Mar sunglasses. Thank you from our sponsor, Costa Del Mar. So um, we've been talking a lot about redfish lately. We've been talking about them in the Gulf. We've been talking about them in the Atlantic, the stock assessment, everything. And a close friend of the show and the association was recently at uh, one of the community hearings about some state issues. Uh, this one was in Savannah, Georgia. And our, our good buddy from Captains for Clean Water, Benny Blanca, was there. And Benny's our guest today. How are you doing today, Benny? Doing good, Tony. Thanks for having me, man. Well, we always we always love having you on the show. God knows where this show is going to take us now with me and you on here. But uh, let's let's slap the horse, open the barn doors, and see what happens. So, Benny, I, I have to tell you something funny, and hopefully this sets the stage for you just going off on what you saw and what you're hearing um, about the Georgia redfish issue. So, basically, in the nutshell, folks, uh, effort for fishing for redfish in Georgia has increased by upwards of forty percent uh, in the last little bit, few years here. Uh, there's a lot more people fishing for them and they still have a five fish limit. Um, when you look at neighboring States like Florida and South Carolina, they're, they're lowering their limits. Uh, North Carolina is already at one. So you, you can't get lower than that. And, uh, and everyone's kind of rallying around redfish because the stock assessments coming out, and from everything I see from the stock, stock assessment, that southern stock of Atlantic redfish uh, really has not been recruiting well. They, they have not ha been having uh, those good spawns that are necessary to kind of replenish the ranks. So we've seen action from South Carolina. We've seen action from Florida. And there Georgia sits with a five fish limit. Uh, they also have a 15 fish limit on sheep's head and a 10 inch minimum size limit, which is basically like a small brim or bluegill from you people up north. Uh, and they, they have a 15 inch, uh, 15 fish limit on speckled trout and black drum. And, you know, man, this is, these are, these are really high limits for this day and age. So we got a group of friends in Georgia who are trying really, really hard to get these limits uh, pulled back to three fish from five fish. And, and Benny, I'm going to let you take it from here, but I just got to say one thing. When I, when I had these guys from Georgia on the podcast the other day, uh, 
during the podcast, one of them said to me, I can't believe it, but politicians are getting involved. Has that ever <laughs> happened to you, Tony? And I was like, dude, do you know what I do for a <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, if politicians didn't get involved in this, none of us would have a job, my man. Like that's, you know, that's kind of standard operating procedure. Um, so Benny, you were, you were up in Savannah. Um, what, what, what's your read on all of this? What's, what's going on? Well, there's a few things going on. Um, and yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. Politics plays a huge role in everything to do with everything that we love, unfortunately. Um, but it's good to know that going in. You know, we don't have that learning process down here anymore. We've been through it, you know, early, you know, 2015, 2016, when we were fighting down here in Florida. We thought the same thing. We were naive. We thought, man, politics doesn't have anything to do with this. And we were very rudely um, enlightened. And, um, and so it's very nice. It's awesome that the Georgia people have um, – you to lean on and us to lean on for understanding there. Um, the politics are playing a heavy role now because the DNR is not, you know, recommending the same thing that the politicians want. And um, it's the same thing that happened down here in Florida. One user group is super loud behind the scenes, spends money, and they influence the politicians, and the politicians are making it hard for the DNR to do their job. But let's make no mistake the politicians' politics should never have anything to do with fisheries management, ever. That should always be based on the science. It should always be based on the people who see the water uh, and understand the fisheries. And unfortunately, that's not happening here. Um, the interesting dynamic in Georgia, a few things that are playing a part. Um, one is you got the site fishing guides who see the fish on the flats and are not seeing the fish on the flats everywhere they go. And then you got the bait guys who are traditionally the ones who want to kill everything, um, unfortunately, and fish, you know, a particular pocket or deep water here and there, and, and they're not doing so bad. They're, they're catching the fish they want to catch, and so they're they're okay with the limits, and they want to keep the limits. Two different cultures completely. The side fishing guides generally are catch and release, and the bait guys generally want to kill, put as many fish in the box as they possibly can, and so that's the dynamic that we have playing in Georgia right now. We've got the bait guys versus the side fishing guys, the bait guys are in the politicians' pockets, apparently, and the politicians are fight, speaking up for the bait guys. And so, and and no one in Georgia takes a step back and looks at what everyone else around them is doing, uh, which which blows my mind. I mean, from the the uh, the size limit on the catch, uh, on the for uh, for keep, and all the way up to the number of fish that you keep. In Florida, it's 18, 27 inches, and you can keep two. Uh, which actually was just reduced in the northeast corner of Florida. And then you've got Georgia, which is these little tiny baby redfish that have not seen maturity yet, are not able to, able to reproduce yet, who you can keep five of each time. And, and then you can load a boat full of them. It just seems absolutely counterintuitive, completely against common sense and everything I know. Um, and it's no surprise that the, the sight fishing guys are you know, crying wolf and explain and, and, you know, screaming that the fishery is dying and the bait guys don't want to give up a single fish in their catch requirement. So, yeah, I mean, this is to me, this is a fight that happens pretty 
consistently, you know, in our world, um, I know the captains for clean water fight is a little bit different, but you know, you just have, uh, you just have people that kind of don't want to change. And for me, you know, you, I, I look at my professional career over time and I've had no less than three careers, uh, <laughs> four, I guess, if you go back far enough. And, um, you know, I'm not telling somebody we're going to, we're going to kick you, kick you out of your career. That's not where I'm going with this, but change. I mean, if there's one thing you can rely on in this world, it's stuff's going to change. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, these people that hold on to this crazy mentality that I have to fill the cooler or I'm going to go out of business. I mean, how many guides do you want me to show you hmm. that are booked a year in advance that don't kill a fish? Yeah. I, I'll raise my hand there. But, you know, yeah, I, the, I was going to say one of the very interesting things that, that happened in Florida because of the water issues we had on the Western coast of Florida, um, we had that big, that, you know, that supercharged red tide in 2018 and FWC under emergency uh, situation closed snook and redfish and they were nearly burned out of Tallahassee for that decision. The bait guys rose. I mean, they raised holy hell. I mean, it, to, to just short of pitchforks and, and, uh, and torches heading to Tallahassee and you know what happened? You know what happened after about a year and a half is that every single one of those dudes is so happy that their clients are happy. They're catching more fish than they've ever caught. They're not spending an hour and a half at the fillet table at the end of the day. And the fishing, and in many of their many cases, they're saying the fishing's as good as it's ever been. It's ever been. It's it's not rocket science. I mean, that's pretty common sense to me, isn't it, Tony? Well. I would, I would say this is like, um, you know, uh, if, if, uh, so like the party boats, you know, the, the big party boats, you can get a ticket on one of them, you know, a, a pass maybe for, I don't know, 75, $85, $100. And then you tip the mate. And, you know, if they go out and it, it's one of these, you know, meat runs where they hit, you know, black sea bass, togs, scup, you know, these these kind of bottom dwelling fish that are considered, you know, meat fish. Then I could see if you have a really good day and perfect weather and everything lines up and a great captain, it makes sense. Dollars and cents. Right. Otherwise, right. I would tell every other person to take your eight hundred or sixteen hundred dollars and go to a seafood supply place and buy right. a shit ton of frozen halibut and and yellowfin tuna and all sorts of stuff that's going to be better than what you would eat here. Um, and, and you get a lot more bang for your buck. So I guess what I'm saying, Benny, is I'm just throwing the bullshit flag on the, you know, oh, we got to fill the cooler. Like, you know, you're not, you're not trying real hard, man. Because when you fill the cooler, you go home. And I, th yeah. I actually think they, they kind of call it a day. 
And if they can get their limit fast there at home to take another group out or do whatever else, whereas somebody like you is standing on a polling platform, pushing a boat around for eight hours in the wind, telling someone, no, you're other 11 o'clock. You know, I, I, I know that's a little harsh, but I think there's some truth. I think a lot of, I think there's some truth in it. A, a ton of truth you know um it's it's an ego thing and it's a not willing to change thing it's if they have to say i caught my limit today they, and and they don't want to change they, they don't want to even consider change because considering change means that they're giving in to something and instead of taking a step back looking at what's what the dnr is really presenting and making a, a common sense decision um you know i i, I know that these guys, if this was their own personal stock pond and the, and the stocks were way down that they would restrict everyone who visited them for what they could keep. Like, it just is a common sense thing, but, but there's, when you go to those DNR meetings and you talk to them, you let those guys speak. There's no, there's just no common sense that comes out of it. It's only, I've been doing this for my, all these generations have been doing it and I don't want to change. And um, I think it's, I think it's fairly silly. Um, so what did you what yeah. did you see? You know, you were actually there in Savannah. Did you see anything that you were sitting there and you were like, "Holy crap, I've been here before." You know, like yeah. here here we go. Um, they tried to pull this crap on us in Florida. Did you? Were there any moments like that? Um, For sure, the uh, representative Jesse Patria showed up. Um, he sat there quietly for a little bit and then grandstanded. You know literally said the same thing like seven times in seven different ways. And just to say that he was there to hear everybody's comments, but then made basically threats to the DNR that, um, that they didn't have enough science, even though the entire presentation was literally science from front to back. And there were people standing up, speaking up for their particular fisheries in the, within the coastal Georgia line and all saying the same thing the fishery is going down we need to start protecting our fishery we need to do better at at managing our fishery for the future um managing for abundance not for today etc all the same talking points that you've experienced up there that i've experienced on here that seem to be you know alien speak to representative patria and the the few paid guys that were there um and so the meeting got over, the meeting ended, and I went up and shook the hand of the, the, the uh, department chair for the DNR and uh, gave him my contact information just to, to offer some info. And I turned around to look for the representative Patria, and lo and behold, he's scuttling out of the back of the meeting and running to his truck, basically. And um, Scott Owens, who was previously on this podcast, and I ran out there and got to him just before he went into his truck to run away. And... Um, I had some questions for him, you know, where's he getting the information from? You know, what does he see for the future of the fisheries? And all the answers were incorrect. We're just complete BS. And so I asked him if he had already made his decision, if he already made his mind up, you know, what, which way he would go for on this particular issue. And, and he said, no, 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 I'm just trying to gather information. And I pressed him more and pressed him more and pressed him more. And eventually he agreed. He, he didn't want to see change. He wants to keep it the same way that all his constituents in his area, we're, we're saying that he needed to stay the same, yet there was a parking lot full of his constituents that were 
there specifically to, to express the opposite. And he was not willing to listen. So yet again, politics influenced by some interest group somewhere um, and not willing to listen to actual constituents, not representing who us um, in, in the right place, stepping in a place where they shouldn't be to influence the decision from the fisheries management from DNR, which is, in, which is insane. And what we've seen in other places. And um, unfortunately, this is going to be a long road for our, our friends in Georgia because I don't see this ending well initially. I think this is going to be a major fight and um, it's going to be years to come, unfortunately. So I, I kind of told them that um, a few weeks ago. I said, don't give up. You know, do everything that you can, every meeting that you can. But I've seen this before. And you have to be you have to be prepared for a protracted battle here. Um, you know, it doesn't look like to me. So I, I, one of the things that I just will throw the bullshit flag on here is some of the politicians were threatening Georgia DNR that if they went ahead with this, that they would they would they would take the ability for regulation change from Georgia DNR and put it in the legislature. Right. Now, if you never want to see anything change again, right. go right ahead and do that. Uh, if you want to, you know, if you want to manage your fisheries into oblivion and not see them recover anytime soon, that's a really good plan. And yeah. then you have all the folks at Georgia DNR, which I have found most state agencies have good people working in them. They're just constrained by their job and the political appointees or the politicians that'll call and yell at them when they don't get what they want. Right. So, you know, um, I'm sure Georgia DNR does not want to see this. So the one thing that I kept trying to just drive home these fish, it's not like they're Georgia fish, right? Right. They're with they're in the state of Georgia for a couple of years. They join the coastal stock, and hopefully they come back and make more little Georgia redfish at some point. However, they're managed on a coastwide level from the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission. And when all this stuff started happening, Benny. I took a look at the stock assessment and it's a simulation right. because they have no data right. on <laughs> redfish in the Atlantic over four years old because you can't kill them over 27 inches. Right. So <laughs> if somebody says there needs to be more science, I agree with them. Uh -huh. However, there are states that contribute to state science. I, I would say the two shining stars. Well, look, I don't even want to call anybody out because North Carolina does good work on redfish. North Carolina has been incredibly proactive. They're at a one fish limit. They know how important this fish is to their economy. They want redfish around. Carolina, I mean, their whole Department of Natural Resources is laser focused on Renetics Lab that does in-house, that does incredible work on redfish. And you know as well as I do, Florida on the Atlantic coast 
is very keen on redfish and they're pretty responsive to the anglers that we as what we just saw you know happening um right. with, with florida lowering the limits and then you have this outlier georgia that's over double the limit of the next closest state and you have some anglers saying hey man we're not seeing as many fish would it hurt that much just for once to to be proactive and lower the limit and the and to me the kick in the ass is well there's not enough science for that well right trust me when i tell you if there was a mountain of science and they said we have to lower the limit look at the science on three that ah, science sucks right now you can't lower the limit that's that's terrible science terrible terrible right. science that sucks uh we need more science those scientists don't know you need to listen to me not the scientists there's plenty of redfish out there the redfish are eating all the crabs and shrimp we need to kill more redfish that's right. what we need to do because uh, because it's killing my shrimp business and 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 there's no crabs left because those redfish will eat everything. I mean, right. I, I, I'm saying this because that's what I hear about striped bass. Striped right. bass eat all the crabs, man. You didn't know that they eat all of them. <laughs> um, so you know, Benny, I I think uh, I, I think you have you have some real bullshit politics going on here when you start threatening a state agency to take away their ability to regulate. And I mean, can you imagine a worse job for a state legislature? Like, right. I mean, think about that for a second. Governor changes, state, state politics blow a different way. You get new people in, you know, old people out. And then you're like, holy shit, snook population's been devastated in Florida. We need to change the regulations. And they're like, well, we're not in session for another six months and we'll right. take it into consideration. But there's so much on our plate right now. And I just don't know if we're going to get to it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what yeah. that would do to fisheries? Yeah, it's almost the same as what we have to deal with for water management down here, which is which is which is nearly as bad as the fisheries management. And um, yeah, you, you had a, a great point, which needs to be reiterated in our outdoor community, which is why it's so important for guys like you and guys like me to speak up because that Georgia's not our fishery, but it is our fishery. Those fish are our fish. When there's no fish in Georgia reproducing, it's our fish reproducing and, 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 and migrating there. Um, and we, we also have to be the example for that, for the, for those anglers there that need some model to, to, to follow. Um, and, and I, I've said this to the guys there and, and I know that you'll, you'll reiterate, but you know, they, they got to pull the gloves off. You can't walk in there and say, please, can you help us? Please. I've seen less fish. Oh, please, please. Because you're going to get run over like we are currently. Um, it doesn't work. Guides are powerful when they speak with passion. And so um, when they don't speak with passion, they're a pushover. And we, we need to teach them how to speak up and speak up intelligently, succinctly, and without giving a single inch. Because you give them an inch and they'll take your fishery. Uh, Benny, this is about redfish, but I'm not going to I'm not going to get into other stuff that we're working on, other species. And, you know, our, our listeners know the stuff that we're working on, but 
you know, we had a uh, we had a not so good meeting on another species that we were working on. Yeah. And uh, my comment was I kind of pulled like the John Belushi thing in Animal House. Oh, I was like, Niedermeyer, dead. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like oh come on, gosh. who's with me? You know, and I, I kind of kind of pulled one of those speeches. And 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 everyone was like, oh, there goes Tony going crazy again. And I kind of <laughs> walked back into the frat house and I'm like, where do you guys think striped bass would be if we hadn't blown a gasket and started right. calling people out? Oh, they're they're ridiculous statements and yep. and tearing people apart and taking the gloves off. Do you think, you know, that striped bass would be recovered in by 2029, which they're on the track for now? Probably not. Right. We'd probably still be having the same argument. So put it on, put you on notice. And I told this to the people who ran that meeting. I'm put you on notice right now. I'm recording every one of your meetings and every ridiculous, stupid thing that somebody says you're going to see on my blog or you're going to hear about on my podcast. Nice. <laughs> and awesome. yeah. And if you want to hide under a rock, I'm going to start kicking rocks over and I'm going to make your life so uncomfortable that you're going to do the right thing. And I right. wish I didn't have to do that, but it's pretty clear. That's what I'm going to have to do. Yep. And I would, I would say that I would say that at that meeting tomorrow night in Georgia, if I was those guys. Yep. I, That's I agree. I, I wouldn't say anything about data or science or anything. I would say, this is what we need. You did a survey. We've played by the rules. We've done everything that you said. And if we come out of this meeting and this doesn't work, we're going to take a different position. And our position is going to be, we're going to shine a light on you and you and you. And every dumb thing that you say, we're going to make you famous for it. until you do what the public clearly wants. And if that's what we have to do to get this done, that's how important redfish are for us. So enjoy tonight. It's the mm -hmm. last time that you'll be able to say something in public without having it recorded, put on social media, put in a blog, talked about on a podcast and shine a light on how stupid the people that we're fighting against really are. I, I love and it. I don't know what, I, like, once you say that and someone looks in your eyes and they know you're serious and they know what you did to other people who were doing the wrong thing, it changes things a lot. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. 100%. It's the only reason that we've seen any progress down here for, for decades. Or a well-written letter gets you nowhere. Yeah. My man. Just I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but I'm always like, this is fluff, right? Yeah. I agree. I agree. We have, um, we have, we've made progress down here because we're not afraid to stand up to them. Not afraid to call them out. Not afraid to go toe to toe. Not afraid to take the punch, take a step back, and then hit them twice. Um, and for decades, we've had groups, scientists, advocates, conservationists speak up, and they've been run over. They, they, they follow this model of you know, having meetings behind closed doors and compromising to keep the peace and so that so that the politicians will work with them in the future. And then there's us who just stand up, call it like it is, 
don't take no for an answer and will not leave until we get the right answer. And um, unfortunately, that's that's the model. That's that's how you get things done. And um, it doesn't. It's not easy. It's not. It's not a overnight thing. It's not a. It's not going to happen next month. But if you stay consistent with it and, and continually call them on their bullcrap, then they give in. Uh, they give in. They can't. They can't handle it. They they need the they need the public to be on their side, and they need things like this to just go away. Yeah, and I, you know, um, <clears throat> it's not like you're making stuff up, right? I, I don't have to dig deep to to point out the stuff that we point out on the on all of our you know social and blog and podcast and everything. Some of it is so incredibly ridiculous that it's hard to keep a straight face when you say it. And right. you know, not for nothing, human the human psyche, like they want a boogeyman. People want to point and say it is that person's fault. That is the person. So it's not really it's not like I have to come up with some, you know, Machiavellian campaign strategy. All I have to do is quote word for word what this person said right and put it out there for all the people that couldn't go to the meeting and be like and here's his email go get him right something (laughs) happened oh the the juvenile abundance index for striped bass came out last week uh in maryland and it was abysmal as it has been for the last four years and some of the guys on the team were like um Oh, you know, we should do a blog about this and and da 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 da. And we, you know, Cody got it up on social in two seconds. And the the full stock assessment's coming out here in the next couple of days. And I said, nah, we're we're not doing anything until the stock assessment comes out. You know, if we're a science-based organization, we have to sit down, we have to go through this massive document, and we have to tell people what it says before the meeting hits. And uh and they're like, and, and they're like, oh, why don't you want to, why don't you want to say something about the poor juvenile abundance index, the young of the year survey? And I said, because the village is going to eat them alive. Let the village right. eat them alive. Let them, let the village just tear them, come with their pitchforks and torches, and tear them limb from limb until the stock assessment comes out in the next couple of days, and we can give the village some direction, some knowledge on the stock assessment and what we think the best course of action is in the future. But that is the point where striped bass advocates are today because they are so fed up with the bullshit that all they need to see is something else that reaffirms their belief, their hard-earned knowledge that the system is broken and corrupt and we don't – I don't need to do anything but publish results at this point. Right. And and the Georgia guys, it's going to take a little time, but they can get there. But like you said, yep. they got to take the gloves off a little bit. They they definitely take gloves off. Let's let I also wanted to put this in a little perspective for the, the people who are listening. A, a sixteen inch redfish, which is the which is the current limit in Georgia, is literally two fish sticks. In Florida, if you're if you're going to harvest a redfish. You would never consider keeping one less than 22 inches because there's no meat. These guys are killing dozens of 16-inch redfish, and each redfish accounts for like two fish sticks. So we're we're proposing, okay, 
and in that language, we're proposing to eliminate two fish sticks per person to help the fish stocks, and they're raising holy hell. It's it's unbelievable to me that guys have have egos and pride so so terribly destroyed that they have to fight for two fish sticks. Benny, do you still do you still go to Louisiana and do the redfish thing in the winter? I, or? I haven't been in a couple of years, um, but but don't get me started on Louisiana, buddy. That's a that's another storm of crap that um, that's coming well, next because that, that fishery is also dying. I'm about neck deep in it right now. So, oh, oh yeah, no, they we got in touch. So I, this was I, I applied this logic. This is the situation that they're in. Speckled mm-hmm. trout are in trouble. Right. And big trouble. And stock assessment comes out three years ago. 80% of the fish are 12 inches long. Right. It's a 12-inch minimum, 25-fish limit. So you want to talk about fish sticks. Yeah. These are these are, <laughs> these are are popcorn nuggets, right? These are like right. little popcorn things you bought for your kids when they were little. They're like, right. they're like that's like the size of your thumbnail for speckled trout. 12 inch speckle chart. I mean, that's like a hammer handle. You're filleting a hammer handle. Um, So, uh, because speckle trout are in a lot of trouble, what do you think happened? They turned on redfish. Right. The the speckle trout guides. Now, guess what's in trouble? Redfish. Big trouble. Right. Right. So, you look at a 25 fish, 12 inch limit, and you say, what if you add a 15-inch, 20-inch limit, a 15-fish, 20-inch limit, where every fish is like three pounds, two and a half, yeah. three pounds. You catch some 24, 25s. Now you're cooking with like a four or five-pound fish. That is significantly less fish to clean and significantly right. more meat to take home. Right. And, and speckled trout grow – almost as fast as redfish do the first four years. They, yeah. they, uh, it's not exactly like a striper where you're going to have to wait from now to kingdom come for the thing to get big. These fish grow really fast to, you know, 27, 28 inches. Um, and, and that was like, that didn't make sense to people. Made no sense. Yeah. They, they, they're in the same mentality as, as the people in Georgia, they 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 will a they will not do not want to change. But if you're decreasing their bag limit, it doesn't matter to them. They, they they need to be able to catch that same bag limit. That 25 limit is is what they've hung their hat on for years. They have they can they do not want to accept that change, even though it means more meat for them. The same thing in Georgia. If they if they, if they adopted a a slot limit similar to South Carolina or Florida, one fish two fi- one fish is more meat than they would kill they would have in the current bag limit so uh, they they won't consider that think about black drum for a second okay those things live as long as oak trees (laughs) um and really i mean it looks like it kind of looks like a a creature from star wars and a tadpole had a love child it is one (laughs) of the ugliest fish that God ever put on this earth. Now I love me some ugly fish that pull. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. But it riddled with worms. Mm-hmm. Once they get to adult size lives forever. Uh, not 
particularly delicious table fare. You imagine having a 15, 15 fish limit on black drum. Oh my Maybe God, black okay. drum I've caught and I've been like, that thing stinks. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, like it's in the, I can smell it and it's in the water. Right. That doesn't make me be like, I want to eat it. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I just don't know if people realize that there's more humans on the planet than there were in the 1900s. Right. And we have better technology now. And it's not like you have to live on the coast to fish. Uh, you can hop on a plane and be anywhere in a couple of hours in this country. Um, and I got to tell you, like, for me, and tell me if this resonates with you. For me, fishing is a privilege. Yes. Some people see it as a right. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a right. And that yep. may, people may, the tops of their heads may have exploded when I said that. But, you know, driving is a privilege. If you get caught speeding over and over again, you have multiple DWIs, you get into a ton of accidents, you know, they can revoke that privilege from you. It's Mm -hmm. not, fishing is not a God-given inalienable right, like free speech or, you know, like, dude, it is a privilege. And if I think once people start looking at it for what it is, it's a beautiful thing to be able to be out on the water. And it's not like I, I equate this to, you know, when AJ, when my son was a little kid and we always used to take him to the next little animated movie that came out and you go into the movie theater and you step in sticky junk. There's there's popcorn everywhere there's there's old old sodas in the you know in the cup holders and it's like jesus who raised these people like we're cleaning up everything taking everything with us making sure it's nice for the next person and there's just people who are not like that you know (laughs) and don't have respect for their fellow outdoorsmen or people who choose to participate in the fishery in a different way or, you know, people who, uh, I don't know, you know, look to the future a little bit more than like their stringer in the stupid picture they can take for social media. Um, I think there's a very basic difference amongst humans where there's a certain segment that sees something and wants to protect it and considers it a privilege to be out there and to be able to experience and see all the things that we see and appreciate it and then there's other people that are kind of like well i paid my damn ticket to get in here and i'm gonna do whatever the hell i want i'm gonna throw my popcorn everywhere and kick my soda over and not clean it up and screw it to leave a mess for the next person i'll leave my line on the shoreline i will let garbage blow into the water when i am fishing and i will just walk away and leave my beer cans and my potato chip bags and all that kind of stuff for somebody else to shit on and clean up and um, I think that's a real problem with our industry, man. Not our industry. It's a real problem with our group of recreational fishermen. And it bo- think, it's starting to bother me to the core. Yeah, I, I think it's a problem with the planet. Honestly, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a human issue. I think you, I really look, there are people who feel entitled to everything that they touch. And then there are people who are generally appreciative of everything they touch. And... Um, I've said it a bazillion times and you, you nailed it right there. Um, 
having access to wild places, water, land, hunting ability, fishing ability is, is a privilege that comes with responsibility. And the people who do understand that aren't familiar with accountability or responsibility. They only want to take. It's all about them. And uh, I think if you're going to be an outdoorsman, I think further than that, a true outdoorsman is someone who owns that responsibility for the, for the water or the land that they love uh, to speak out for it, to protect it, to do the right thing, and to always leave it better than when they found it. I think a real outdoorsman sees that inherently. And then there's the rest of them that we have to teach, even if it means beating them over the head with a bat to get them to understand it. Um, I think I think we're at that precipice now in this, in this planet that the real outdoorsmen need to stand up, speak up, and lay the law down for the rest. And uh, we're seeing these battles happen all around the country, all around the planet, all around the country, all around my state. Um, now I'm in Georgia. I was just in Texas a lot earlier this year for the same reasons. We, the real outdoorsmen need to stand up. They got to take the gloves off. They got to lay the law down. They can't take no for an answer because if they do, then that compromise will result in degraded fisheries, further degradation of the fisheries. And where we put our feet down, where we stand up, and where we don't take no for an answer is where we're saving fisheries. Um, it's black and white. It's, it's obvious. And I think it's time for the real outdoorsmen to stand up. Okay. So I was looking for this. Um, I was looking for this uh, thing that I wrote uh, hmm. a while back and it was when uh, Lefty died and um, I offered this was I guess back in 2018 and I offered uh, to write an article because so many people were saying the wrong things um, about him and it really it really upset me and yeah. he was my buddy and people were um People were kind of, you know, everyone lefty was so lefty that it was it was something to say you were friends with him. You know, yeah. you had yeah. credibility in the fishing world to say that. Um, and uh, I, I just woke up one morning and I said, I have to write this because I'd like people to, to know who he who he was like really as a human being. And, you know, we're talking about, um, I actually found the article online, but we were, we were talking about people having respect for things. Um, and I just, I, I wrote this paragraph. I can't believe I found it, but uh, I wrote this whole article, but here's a paragraph from it. It says, I said, lefty was the least prejudiced person I've ever known. He never saw color or culture. He only saw the character of a person. He could size up that person in a nanosecond. Money, fame, power meant nothing to him. And there was an old quote about trout fishing from famed author Robert Travers. Uh, he spoke of the nobility of trout, and it goes something like this. Because trout do not lie or cheat or cannot be bought or bribed or impressed by power, but respond only to quietude, humility, and endless patience. And I just want to say, you know, if Lefty had been a trout, he would have been king of the pool. Um, he could care less about who you were or how important you think you are. He cared about what was in your heart and how well you lived your life. Um, mm -hmm. And there needs to be, I guess, you know, more people in the world that 
care about how they live their life and how they treat things and what they're going to leave for future generations. And I think, I think these fights on state levels or national levels or, you know, the stuff that you and I do or the stuff that, you know, on a smaller scale that these guys from Georgia are doing, what it comes down to isn't people who are trying to be selfish and want something just for themselves and, you know, no, no, it's mine and you can't kill that fish, stay away, you know, oh, no, we don't like bait fishermen. What it comes down to is people who are seeing stuff that's happening that's really bad and they get very concerned about it and they try to stop it. And they're not saying take from him and not from me. They're not saying you have to do it only my way. What they're saying is this is how we can make it how it used to be. This is if we do this, we can bring it back. And um and I don't really think there's a good argument against that. And I think that's why they get into the name calling and the, the, the shit slinging and all the stuff that kind of we're, we have to deal with, you know, the punches that we have to take when we do this. And I, I guess, again, I'll just get back to the beginning of this whole conversation is you can't be afraid to punch back. This is not a right. turn to turn the other cheek kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, you, you got to hit back. So if you had a crystal ball, Benny, with your experience, you know, these Georgia guys have the meeting tomorrow. So um, I'm on the Georgia DNR, uh, uh, Coastal Georgia DNR website. And it basically says, uh, I guess it's CRD is the Coastal Resources Division presented its new proposal it's proposed new red drum regulations to the board on Tuesday, August 23rd. CRD will host two public hearings. And we talked all about those. I guess the one that you went to was September 21st at Georgia Southern University. There was another one September 22nd in Brunswick. And the period for comment went through October 6th. And so that's clearly been over for a little bit. And this meeting on October 25th at Fork McAllister, uh, is supposed to be to amend the regulations, which will be effective on January one. What do you think is going to happen, Benny, tomorrow night to these guys? I think, I, I, if history repeats itself, um, they'll keep the regulations exactly the way they are, and um, and by the time this process comes back to its 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 head again in two years or three years, whatever it is, you're going to have a an extremely angry population of anglers. And many of those guys who were speaking against it this time will be for it. And I think then we'll have a real shot at making change. Uh, unfortunately, it means that the fishery is going to suffer for the, that period of time. Um, unfortunately, that's it's what we see everywhere. It's what you're dealing with in in, in New England, it's, it's the same Jesus thing. Christ, dude, we knew this was coming in 2014 with stripers. Right. It's almost 2023. They're just getting yep. their shit together. You kidding yep. me? All, all DNR and legislature is delayed. You know, there's, they're years delayed. The fishermen see it every single day. They know what's going on right now today and their anger, their, their statements aren't, aren't heard. And, um, that you have these fisheries management, um, uh, divisions and that are pumped by legislature that don't want to make change that they want to delay it, delay it. And every delay costs the fishery, 
And so I, I think what's going to happen is we're going to we're going to lose, so to speak, and we're going to have a couple years to rally and collect our thoughts and to present a better case when it comes back again. And um, I, I think that's when we'll have we'll have an opportunity to do it. I would be very surprised if they if they go with the recommendation from DNR. So I here's here's what I think is going to happen. I, I think that they are going to say that there needs to be to hold off and there needs to be more science when you could legitimately say, you know, what I, I recommended was to put a sunset on these new regulations to say, Hey, look, if there needs to be new science based on the survey that you did, the outpouring of comments that have come in, let's put a five-year sunset on these regulations. We revisit these aren't permanent We'll revisit these again in five years and say that they've made a difference with the redfish population. Um, you know, something that makes it not so final, you know, anything that can get it over the line, right? right. Um, these regulations haven't changed in eons for Georgia. Right. There is inertia. Yeah. And you have to move that inertia, just like the Tennessee game. You have to have better talent. You have to play it on your home field. That's right. And you got to have a little bit of luck. I don't know if you saw that kick at the end, but it looked like it looked like a it looked like somebody hit a water balloon with a fungo bat. And that thing, I saw bright lights and I heard angels singing when it crossed the crossbar by six inches. I mean, but you know what? Nobody will remember that. Only thing that people remember is Tennessee kicked. Alabama's ass at Neyland Stadium in 2022. That's right. what people will remember. So they have to get through inertia. They need a little bit of luck. Yep. They need to be better than the other side, way better statistically, and they need to do it on their home field, right? And yep. I, I don't see all of those things lining up yet. And I want right. it to happen for them. But this yeah. is a process. I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to, um, unfortunately those, th those things happen over a long time. Um, getting a home, home, home court feeling, um, having a little bit of talent that that's, it just takes a little bit of time. They're, they're ahead of the game in the sense that they've got our help from the South and from the North. Yeah. And neither, neither of us had that help. Um, so they have a little bit of, they have a little bit of help, but they still don't have home field advantage. They're, they're walking into these meetings, with um with bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and just getting smashed and um I, I i like i said earlier i highly encourage them to take the gloves off call it like it is let them know that they're not going to stand down they're not going to back down they will be back bigger and better every single time until this changes um they, they, they have to have, that has to be a a fear in every one of those politicians minds that if they want to be a politician in florida in the future they're going to have to consider all parties, not just theirs. And um, it's, they're going to have to do that. And I don't, I just don't see it happening. Like you said, I don't see it happening tomorrow. I don't see it happening this session. And um, if we're lucky, we get a sunset option or we, or we have uh, the ability to revisit this in a year, but I think it's going to be a couple of years. So I'm looking real quick. Um, so if I do, this is crazy, Benny, because I'm trying, I want to just tell the listeners how little 
it takes. So if I do um, Georgia State uh, districts on the old Google, and if I so if I find you know find your find your legislator, um, uh, do, do do representatives by district. So, you know, I'm just going to pick one here. What was what was the guy's name uh, that you you had to talk with in the parking lot out of curiosity? Je- Jesse Petrea. So P-E-T-R-E-A. So Jesse. And he was completely full of crap. <laughs> every <laughs> every every word out of his mouth. I don't think he said a true statement the entire time we were speaking. Uh, so I just did Jesse Petrea election numbers. Um, oh, so he was uncontested. Ha, huh. go figure. Um, so if I go to the f- full Georgia results page, I mean, man, you are looking at, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this, man. So a huge number of these people are uncontested. Um, right. right. So, you know, big, big districts uh, for state Senate, six district, you know, had do 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 60,000 votes. My point in bringing this up is that, man, uh, the there's not a lot of votes that go down for these state delegates it doesn't take a lot of votes right. at all and um <clears throat> you'd be surprised at the levers that you can pull to make these folks kind of um little nervous right, right little right. little bit nervous um so hold on i'm just looking real quick here so maybe some of the like the smaller um smaller areas in georgia i mean here's one i mean jesus christ dude F- Fourteen thousand votes Thirteen thousand votes 117th district georgia um you know uh uh, 10,000 for this district, 8,000 for that district. I guess, you know, my message is like, you're not, not suggesting you influence like uh, a federal Senate election, but when you're talking about five or 6,000 votes in a district to get these people elected, yeah, you don't have to really do a lot to scare them. And I'll tell you this, you know, this one guy that you uncontested election Boy, you want to have a you want to have a lazy politician? <laughs> have nobody run against him. Yeah, well, that was fairly obvious. <laughs> uh, he was, you know, he, he did not care, nor was he worried about anything. He was just trying to take care of his buddies. So that's a, I mean, in any event, you know, uh, I think that um, I look a couple things. I, I applaud all of our friends in Georgia um, for, for even taking this on. I'm going to strongly suggest uh, to any of our listeners who happen to be um, 
in the area, I am going to uh, I'm going to rattle this off one more time for the public hearings. If you have a chance to go tomorrow and you are in um, you are in the area, this is going to be at the Fort McAllister State Park at 3894 Fort McAllister Road, Richmond Hill, Georgia. Um, and you know, go if you can, even if it's just to watch everything unfold again, meeting is tomorrow and let your voice kind of be heard. I don't, I don't even know. It looks like they stopped taking comments on the sixth though. Um, but get involved, go to this meeting tomorrow because I got a bad feeling that they're going to need you in the upcoming months and years to get this stuff changed. And I, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Um, none of this stuff comes easy. Uh, and, and I guess it's just time, Benny, that we all just kind of dig in and, and help, help, uh, help these guys win the fight. For sure. I'm going to do everything in my power. That's for dang sure. And I think another message for the people that are going tomorrow that happen to go, I think you need to be prepared to speak no matter, no matter what they're, they're probably not going to let you speak. They may, they might ask you to, to put on a card, whether you're for it or against it. You need to, you need to know all the talking points. You need to be very familiar with all of the issues and make sure that you're ready to speak. And if there's an opportunity, even if it's redundant completely to the 10 people that were there before you, Get up and say it and say it with authority and demand change. And it has to be overwhelming. Like you said, it has to be overwhelming. I think if we do that, we have a shot. But um, but but no matter what, tomorrow's an opportunity to show up, whether it, it's in force with bodies or with voices, and you got to take advantage of it. You have to. You, you speak now or for a roll your piece kind of deal. I agree. So, man, let's all say a, let's all say a little prayer. <laughs> for our buddies in Georgia tomorrow. And the one thing I want them to understand is, unfortunately, if they do not win tomorrow, we're not going anywhere. That's right. Um, we're going to help them build a case. We're going to help them build advocates. And we're going to help them win, whether it's tomorrow or six months or a year from now, because what they're doing is special. It's important to the resource. And we have to rally around our friends who have the courage to try to make these changes. So, Mr. Blanco, hey, before you go real quick, is y'all's gala sold out? It is not. Is Captain's gala sold out? It is not sold out, but it, but it, it will be very, very shortly. Um, but well, get, if you're listening to this and you want to go to the best event in November in Florida... <laughs> Buy a ticket to the Captains for Clean Water Gala. That's where you should be going. Right. That day in Florida. No other place but the Captains Gala to support this great organization and our friends in Florida trying to fix 100 years of water mess issues. And I know that they can do it. And you'll rarely hear another nonprofit saying, go support this nonprofit. But you're hearing it today, folks. Hop on the Captains website. Buy a ticket. Go to the gala. If you see Benny, shake his hand for all the hard work he did. And uh, and I can't thank you enough, buddy, for being on the podcast. And we look forward to having you on here, here again real soon. Thank you, Tony. Always, buddy.